Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. This is Pastor Sarah Levecki, and this is the recording of our most recent Sunday sermon. We hope you enjoy. So, all right. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can open them to wherever you feel led. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> Mark uh, 5, we're going to start in 21. Now, what I want to do today is I, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're continuing our, our healing thing, and um, I want to show you there's a few prophecies that are going to be fulfilled in today's teaching. There's a prophecy in Isaiah that speaks of Jesus as the Prince of Peace, but the Everlasting Father. And the fascinating part about that is that Jesus had no biological children. Jesus wasn't married. And so this is, so today you're going to witness an adoption. Okay, um, adoption is real powerful. The spirit of adoption. Let me say one thing to you about the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption is about the removal of bondage and fear. And the spirit of adoption leads to identity and inheritance. What you heard today, even with Roshan, is that they're after the Christians, they're after their freedom, and they're after their businesses and their money because it has to do with the gospel advancing and their legacy. And the enemy wants to curse your future because his future is cursed. And the enemy is a thief because he's broke. All the silver and the gold belongs to the Lord. If you think the money belongs to the devil, you'll never be a good steward of money. So the baseline of real economies, which is silver and gold and actual precious metals that come from the earth and meek inherit the earth, um, the Lord, that, that is the inheritance of the people of God. So we, we have to really just get a real renewing of the mind. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil, not money. Paul says to Timothy that God has given us generously all things to enjoy. So you, you don't have to feel guilty that you have abundance in your life, but you also should remember that who much is given, much is required. So that's something to just consider and, and not guilt anyone, but just to really consider that. So this, this prophecy of Jesus, the wonderful counselor, the everlasting father, yet he has no biological children. Um, there's another prophecy which I'm going to read to you today where it's going to be fulfilled. It says this, but to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings and shall go out and grow fat like a stall-fed calves. Okay, both of these prophecies are going to be fulfilled uh, in the preaching of the word today. But I want to show you something. I, when, I, when I teach the Bible, let's say we're going from Old Testament into the New Testament. What I want to really show you is the trustworthiness of the scriptures. This is very important. The scriptures are reliable. The scriptures are God-breathed. You have to really see when God says something and when he does something because that builds confidence in him. Okay? Jesus said, I have told you these things beforehand so that when they happen, you may believe. So prophecy should build faith. Okay? So this is Bible prophecy. This is something that God said and something that God did. So I want to just highlight that because when I teach on the prophetic or when I teach scripture, it has to be Christ-centered. If it's not Christ-centered, there's a problem. All right. 
So this, uh, these stories are in the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And what we're going to do is we're going to go into Mark today. And I might make some references in Luke, but I really do not want to hostage you. So pray with me for that. <laughs> I love to preach. I'll preach to myself. Like if you're not in my office, I walk back and forth, put different sneakers on and preach. <laughs> I change my sneakers. And, you know, I'm, I just love to just preach. Anyway, so Mark 5. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by the boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him as he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. Now, Jairus means the one who God enlightens. Now, if you're familiar with the Old Testament and the scriptures, you also know that one of David's mighty men was named Jairus. Now, we had an old friend. I don't know where he is now. I hope he's all right. But his name was Jair. And he is how I met Sarah. So he dated all her friends except her. And uh, I'm just playing. No, I'm just joking. And he introduced me through his friends and our friends. So, so that's, a, that's a beautiful name. And I love my wife. So I'm happy that he did that. And uh, one time I did another hostage service in West New York. Remember that? At Santana's church. And Jay was not uh, as willing to be hostage as Brett. And Jay is like, he was upset. You know, saying, this guy is going on and on and preaching. And the Lord said, be quiet. He's speaking to principalities and powers. And I didn't realize that it was in West New York. And I thought, interesting how God is always before us. This is years and years ago. So anyway... Okay, so Jairus is someone who God enlightened. He's a ruler of the synagogue, which means he's kind of like one of the guys, kind of like a deacon, one of the guys who kind of oversees the whole synagogue. Now, the synagogue was not the temple, but it was like a little outpost of the temple, so to speak. And it was kind of where they did what we think of as church and worship there. So he's a significant person, which you see his name there. <laughs> so anyway, okay. So history somehow is remembering him by his first name. Not a bad deal. <laughs> okay, so Jairus by name, and when he saw him, this is speaking, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and he begged him earnestly saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she may live. Religious people, can I tell you something about religious people? Religious people always know what you should do. I wouldn't do that with money. I would do this. I wouldn't do church like that. So the religious guy knows how Jesus should do it. Not speak, you know, but come to my house and lay hands. Religious people always know how to do it. Anyway, that's, an, that's a free one right there. So now... So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. What's fascinating about this passage is that Jesus doesn't even answer him with words. <laughs> you come to me with a problem, and I go, I just start walking. It's like, whoa, like triggered. <laughs> like, you know, uh, so Jesus always is very interesting, but he's always doing stuff. <laughs> like, so, and anyway, so Jesus doesn't even respond 
verbally. I have friends that if you talk to them and they don't want to talk about what you're talking about, they just won't answer you, or they'll completely change the subject and smile at you. It's very Christ-like. So anyway, now a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years had suffered and had uh, suffered many things from many physicians. She spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Okay, <laughs> this woman has no name. She has no identity, and she is identified by her condition. The scripture is telling us that she is broke and sick, and often they're together, sick and broke. Sick and broke, with no identity, with no name, and the people who were supposed to help her did not have the ability to help her, so she actually got worse. So she spent what she had for help, but only got worse. It's like church. Some people come to church, and they come for help, and they can't help them, and they only get worse. This is, can I just say something? Imagine, let's just say, you go somewhere and you genuinely want help and you're even willing to pay for help. Like, just put yourself in her shoes. You're willing to pay for help and you, you have the expectation of help and you only get worse. Can I just say something? She's stuck. Have you ever felt like that? That's frustrating. I have felt like that for years, actually. And it's very frustrating and it's not easy and that's her situation. And the number 12, you're going to notice, she has been in this condition for 12 years. 12 is the number of government. Sickness and poverty are governing her, and she has no identity, no name. Her identity is in her condition. This is sometimes you hear people say, my arthritis. It has become theirs, and their identity is in that thing. You better disconnect yourself from that thing or from your struggle or that struggle will become your identity. I go to AA. Hi, I'm an alcoholic. Great. You're going to stay an alcoholic. Hi, I'm a son who has victory in Jesus and I'm learning self-control. <laughs> you, better, you, better, you better change your, your, how you talk because your decisions will follow your mouth. So anyway, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. So faith speaks. Faith expects. Whatever faith believes, faith speaks. Whatever faith believes, hope expects. Come on. Amen. Amen. This is important. This is important. You have, to, you have to realize this. She's got a problem. Come on. She's teaching us something. What do we do when we have a problem? Go to Jesus. Thank you, D. <laughs> it's like, that's it. You got a problem? Good. I got a problem, too. We can go to Jesus together. <laughs> Let us boldly approach the throne of grace to, to find mercy and obtain grace in the time of need. Let us... That's the first place leadership takes people, is to the throne of God. 
before I take you to Africa, Haiti, or some other across the street, let's approach the throne of God so that we have something for the people we're going to instead of going there with nothing. Let us boldly approach the throne of grace. So now I want to remind you, but to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. Now, this is not wings like wings like. <laughs> that the word in Hebrew, and it means the edge or the border of a garment. Research it. Fact check me. The deacon used to fact check me on Strong's. The Baptist in him when I was preaching. I used to see him. He has it out right now. Look at that. <laughs> Woo! My God. Gotta love that. So now, the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. Oh. So now, here this woman is. She doesn't really seem that educated to me. I don't know. I don't know. She doesn't even have a name. That's not exciting. It's like everyone who talks about nameless and faceless generation has a name and gets paid a lot of money to sing in churches. So when people say that nameless and faceless thing, I don't want to hear that. I'm not into that. <laughs> anyway, that's another message. Okay. That was all extra. If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of, say immediately. 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 There are times when healing is a recovery process. Say process. 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 But then there's other times where there is an immediately. One of the things that we have to learn is how to navigate the tension of faith in walking in love is that I expect an immediate, but I'm going to walk with you for a lifetime. Does that make sense? We can never lose this immediate that God is able and God is capable and God is willing. And in a moment, everything can change. One phone call, everything can change in your life. One phone call. Everything can change. That's all you need. One email, one phone call. Everything can be different just one time. But yet, I'm going to position myself with faithfulness in the mundane, waiting for God to bring the extra and the increase. I don't, I don't know if this is, is making sense to you. So this woman has to press through the crowd. And if you read the other Gospels, you'll realize the last people she had to press through was Jesus' entourage who were there and had no idea what he was doing. The last thing that you have to press through is a religious structure that can't even see what God is doing in front of them. Now, if you go to Leviticus 15 and 19 and on, you'll see that a woman who had an unclean, she had a flow of blood, she was not allowed to even be around other people. So this is faith spells risk. There is a level of risk. In fact, she's supposed to notify people that she's unclean. And, 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 and the scripture is so in, incredibly graphic that it's like... 
<laughs> this is a lot there. But in Leviticus 15, like even if she sits on a chair, the chair is unclean. So in the Old Covenant, it was illustrating the power of sin. But in the New Covenant, it's illustrating the power of righteousness. So in the Old Covenant, if you touch a leper, you get sick. In the New Covenant, if Jesus touches a leper, he gets well. So Jesus is the fulfillment of the covenant and the promise that God made to Abraham. Okay? So now she presses through and she pulls on the edge of his garment. Why is that significant? It's very significant for two reasons. One, she got healed. <laughs> so that's the first thing. And, and the second thing is that only Aaron, only Aaron... He was the only high priest who was anointed. The anointed came down from his head. The first thing God has to fix is your mind. And if you change your mind, it comes on your beard. If you have a beard, that's biblical. And then it comes on your mouth. That's the spirit of prophecy. The third place it drips down to is where? This is Psalm 133, by the way. I'm not making this up. On your garments. Anointed garments. Uh-oh. The high priest had to have anointed garments. So, when she pressed through the crowd and she pulled on him and she pulled on the edge of his garment... She's fulfilling Malachi, revealing that he is the great high priest and that he has anointed garments, that the anointing flows from him to the world. Our great high priest. This is, this is all there. You're not going to find this in any commentaries. She pulled, faith pulls. This is why sometimes it's hard to stop preaching because there's someone there hungry who's pulling. Now, a lot of people are like... But there's someone who's hungry who's pulling. So, you know, I'm just letting you know. So now... This is the manifestation of Jesus' high priestly ministry that Hebrews will later write about. Well, where do you think they get that idea from? <laughs> Jesus. Ding, ding, ding. So, so now, this is really, really something. Guess who is standing by while this is happening? Jairus. Ding, 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 ding. The Bible says that a testimony is established in the face of two or three witnesses. Jairus was a man who had authority and identity. And he is someone who had authority to say that this is an authentic testimony because it happened in two or three witnesses, in, in the face of two or three witnesses. Now, you know the scripture says, we, we always use this, we, we start church with this. Don't, if you do this, I'm not picking on you. But we're like, well, 
The Bible says where two or three are gathered, the Lord is there. Yes, but that's not about church. That's actually about judgment. When you are confronting someone in the context of correction, that it is established in the face of two or three witnesses, that's what that's talking about. It's not saying, oh, God is there, and that's great. Let's feel better about ourselves because at least, hey, nobody else is here today, but God is here. You know, uh, you know but no, no, no. It's like, you know, as long as God is here. And people are like, well, there's two or three or more of us. And, and you know, in the book of Revelation, you see that Jesus is knocking on the door of his own church, seeing if they'll let him in. <laughs> so evidently, he's not, a, he's omniscient, but it doesn't seem as if he's a welcome guest everywhere. Like, I would like Jesus to feel well represented if he came in here today and sat down. You know, when we're worshiping, is there sincerity in our heart? If we're preaching, is there accuracy? Is the goal to, to put attention on him? To glorify him? To live a life that is pleasing to him? To stir passion for him? To put our eyes and attention on him? That's what this is about, just so you know. If we're not conveying that well enough, then we, you know, we need help, but... This is what this is about. So anyway, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing that himself power had gone out of him, turned around and said, who touched me? My clothes. His disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And Luke, it's Peter with big mouth. No, no, no. He's like, no, 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 Pete. You're not. <laughs> you're not. You're not feeling me. Someone touched me. Someone pulled. There was a release of virtue and power. And this is not someone bumped into me. This is, the, this is, this is that, that pull, that, that pull of desperation, that pull of hunger. There's someone there that's pulling, you know. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Why is she afraid? She's afraid because she's ceremonially unclean. She can get in trouble for doing what she did. So sometimes faith requires a genuine risk. Well, what if we say we're going to do a crusade and we don't have the money? It's like, well, what if we say we're going to bring 60 water filters and bastards and don't have the money? Well, we look like an idiot. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, this is, so, so we're believing, just so you know, we're believing God. We're trusting in God to do what maybe I don't have the power in and of myself to just do. Okay? So she is... Taking a risk. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K, risk. Faith, real faith, requires real risk, just so you know. Now, there's a difference between presumption and faith. Here's how I learned the $30,000 difference. Presumption is rooted in what I want. Faith is rooted in what God said. So the most important beginning of anything that you're going to do is not do I have a good, slick idea for God, but what is God saying? See, for example, let me say I give you a good, slick business idea. God doesn't need a good, slick business idea from Adam. God needs Adam to open up his ears and respond to God. 
So you, there's a difference between I got an idea and I have the word of the Lord, just so you know. So this is important. Something within this woman is causing her to say that if I just pull on him, if I just touch the edge of his garment, I will be, whole, uh, be healed. I will be whole. Do you know that her inner dialogue was rooted in scripture? Now, I don't know if she knew that. I don't know if she's like, well, according to Malachi, someone's going to get healed this way. So I'm going to do this. But she went with what God had put in her spirit, in her heart. Sometimes there's things that you know in your spirit that your mind doesn't know. You, you, you know, you experience this when you first get saved and all of a sudden God is leading you and then you get a little smarter and you think that you're leading God. <laughs> it's like, well, before I went to Bible school, I was being led by God. After I went to Bible school, I'm leading God. It's like, well, hold on there, Captain. Wait a second. Don't let knowledge puff you up. Use knowledge correctly. School is good. You should do it. I, I'm all for that. But you, you don't think that you know. Don't think that I know. I certainly don't know. People are like, what are we going to do? I, I don't know. It's like, actually don't know. I'm willing to do it. I just don't know exactly what it is just yet. It's like, where are we going? Well, we're going to go here. What are we going to do? I'm not quite sure yet, but I'm going to show up. <laughs> so anyway. Um, okay, so he looked around, and this is in verse 34. And he said to her, daughter. This is the first person in Scripture. Hello. This is the first Woman in scripture that Jesus adopts into his family. In Mark 2, he calls the guy son. Remember the lame guy? The forgotten, the overlooked, the no identity, the no inheritance people, the disenfranchised, the left out, the forgotten about. God says, yup, you, daughter, daughter, daughter. It doesn't matter her name when he says daughter. Nothing more powerful than daughter or son. You know what daughter means? Daughter means your name is written in my book. Daughter, you are part of the family. Daughter. Now, it's important to realize that when someone is sick and someone is poor... Someone is disinherited and disfranchised. So this is the thing with sickness. We go, oh, healing, let's put it on YouTube. Cool. Okay, great. But that's not the point. The real point is God restoring back the quality of life that God originally intended for that person. Not just for you to go, 24 people were healed, 33 people were saved. Nobody cares. What we care about is humans, people, living... The life that God has ordained and paid for, for them. They have names. Is this not a, I mean, numbers is important. There's a whole book of numbers, so numbers is important. I get that. But names. Names. And, and her being a, a daughter, her being a part of the family. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Now, her faith is rooted in who Jesus is. So your faith has to stand in the power of God, not in the wisdom of men. Faith comes by hearing, but faith stands in the power of God. So you need an encounter with the power of God. You need that in your life. It's important. 
daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Healing, watch this, leads to peace. There are some people, they are not at peace with themselves. There are some people, they are not at peace in their marriage. There are so, and what happens is God does healing to bring peace because healing is a part of the abundant life that Jesus paid so much for. He paid for you to have peace. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay, while he was still speaking, some came from the rulers of the synagogue's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Now, this is exactly what happens in real life. You just get a breakthrough. You just witness something powerful. You can't even sing. You can't even tweet. You can't even post. And you are already bombarded with bad news. It's like the devil does not want you to celebrate your wins. See, I shared some of what I shared earlier, not to be braggadocious or annoying, but to declare to you, for you to hear it with your, with your ears, victory and testimony. Get used to hearing it. So the enemy never wants you to enjoy what you have. You either don't have enough or you feel guilty about what you do have. You can never enjoy anything. It's like, it's, you know. <laughs> anyway. So, okay. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of a synagogue, now Jesus starts talking to him. <laughs> They're already going on a journey. Jesus doesn't talk to them. It's <laughs> awesome. So anyway, do not be afraid. Only believe. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Do not be afraid. So as soon as bad news comes, Jesus pushes it off. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Why? Because fear will try to block your faith. Fear is contending for your faith. So Jesus now addresses the guy. And the first thing he says to him is do not be afraid. Why? Because fear will sabotage your faith. Oh, Jesus, I'm not afraid. I'm okay, Jesus. No, he said do not be afraid because you're afraid. Stop lying to yourself. I'm not afraid two masks on. Yeah, okay. I'm not afraid locked up in the house for a year. Yeah, we know. Just be honest with yourself. Stop lying to yourself. Don't lie to yourself in the name of faith. Do not be afraid. Only believe. So what he's telling you, you cannot only believe if you are afraid. This is important. Fear wants to occupy space in your soul. Fear is a spirit. You have a, there's a spirit of fear which is at war with the spirit of adoption. 
So orphans fear, lack, competition, insecurity. 48 pictures later, I can't post one. Fear, insecurity, not enough. We don't have enough. How are we going to do this? The opposite of sonship, enough, identity, more than enough. I'm comfortable with my skin even though it has stretch marks. And you don't have to like me because I love myself. Amen. <laughs> and you don't have to approve of me because the father said, well done. Good and faithful God, son, who I'm well pleased. So I'm not coming for approval for people to like me. I am here on a mission. And I have no allies when I step into the pulpit, including myself. So, this is important. Do not be afraid, only believe. When he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So, so now Jesus is saying, everyone is not coming. Everything is not for everyone. This is something that you have to learn in your life. Everything is not for everyone. Everyone does not belong everywhere. Not everyone deserves that type of access in your life. In fact, Jesus had 12 guys, and he only brought three. People could be like, well, what about the other? What's 12 minus 3? Nine. What about the other nine? Oh, yeah, Jesus didn't bring me. Guess what, Jesus? He doesn't care. Oh, we're all equals. No, we're not. He brought those three. Those three are cut above you. You're actually not equals. <laughs> and, and, and there's there's leaders who are on your team and then there's successors all three of those are successors all three of those were given specific apostolic assignments that were greater in level and in measure than the rest of those guys that's a fact so not everyone listen to me goes everywhere Who, who, Peter had an apostleship to the Jews. James was the senior pastor, the senior apostle in the church of Jerusalem. John was the last man standing who adopted Jesus' mother. Imagine Jesus trusts John more than his own half-brothers. Why? Because trust is thicker than blood. In, in, in the streets, they go, blood is thicker than water. There's no loyalty in the streets, says the guy that ratted on his friends. <laughs> There's no loyalty anymore. Oh, trust is thicker than blood. Amen. Amen. He trusted him with his mother. Why? Because that was a dude who knew how to show up. That's how we know you can trust you show up. You may not be the smartest or the best, but you can show up. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> I can show up. <laughs> I may be late, but I'll be here. So, so this is it. 
Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And also John was the last man standing. And he, he, he's the one that God used the softest man to deliver the hardest message to the seven churches. Last man standing. The man that showed up at the foot of the cross was the last man standing. He who seeks to save his life will lose it, and he who's willing to lose it can keep it. He outlasted everyone because he wasn't afraid. You got to get fear out. Got to get. We got to get fear out. Let's let's ask the Lord. Lord, David said, "I sought the Lord, and He delivered me from all of my fears." That was the guy who killed giants, killed people, did all types of crazy stuff. I sought the Lord, and He delivered me of all my fears. We got to we got to ask the Lord. Shake it loose. You cannot fulfill your assignment with fear. You cannot be a good husband with fear. You cannot be a good wife with fear. You cannot be a good deacon with fear. You cannot be a good business owner with fear. You cannot be a wise financial investor with fear. Okay. We're almost done. Not really. <laughs> so I was just like, I was like <laughs> so then he came to the house of the ruler synagogue, and there was a tumult, and those who wept and wailed loudly when he came in. He said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, sleeping. And they ridiculed him. Now, this is what happens with people. People always make fun of or ridicule what they don't understand. So to Jesus, because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, by the way. Jesus knows that death is not final. So Jesus refers to death as sleep. Amen. My pastor told me this, that in the kingdom, things don't die, they go to sleep. So anyway, they see... Death, he sees sleep. This is why when Paul in his epistles writes about death, he uses sleep because Jesus has changed his mind so deeply that he changed his mouth. You have to, you have to allow the Lord to change your mind so deeply that your mouth speaks differently. Very important. Why make this commotion? Why weep? Then they ridiculed him. But he put them out. <laughs> That's awesome. That's true. Jesus has such a tremendous personality. But like, we don't understand you. They start making fun of him. Jesus goes, <laughs> out. So who can't be there? Unbelief can't be there. Amen. Misunderstanding can't be there. Offense can't be there. Competition can't be there. Only faith can be there. Only love can be there. Only hope can be there. Only life can be there. Not everyone can come everywhere. Not everything is for everyone. Jesus puts the mourners out because he's about to turn their mourning into dancing. Amen. Now, it's okay to mourn, just so you know. You, should, you need to mourn. If you don't mourn, you'll become mentally ill. That's why we have mentally ill church, because you took all of the lament psalms out, and we do all happy songs, California happy, everyone's happy, everyone's happy. Well, I don't have a $2 million house and drive a Range Rover, I'm not as happy as you. 
out of California. I'm in New Jersey in a double wide storefront in the hood. So I'm not as happy as you. So I need some morning songs because I'm still sad a little. And I'm a little mad sometimes, actually. So you got to help me. <laughs> I need help still, you know. So, so he puts out the mourners and the unbelief. He puts it out. You got to get it out. <laughs> and when they, okay. Now, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. So he goes, mom and dad, come on. He brings mom and dad in. Then he took the child by the hand. Now, this is really important because here's the thing. Jewish guys, rabbis, they were not supposed to be touching dead bodies. He touches her before he speaks to her because she's about to come to life. See, this is a whole, this is really... Okay. Then he took the child by the hand and said, Talitha Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately. Say immediately. Immediately. immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age. So now you have the government of sickness and poverty and death being challenged by the resurrection and the life. And the son of righteousness who has arose with healing in his wings, who is the everlasting father with no biological children who just adopted a girl. And when he was on the way to Jairus' house, the, the, the name of the one whom God enlightens, she got enlightened. And her, in her mind, she goes, well, <clears throat> if I speak, if I just touch, I'll be healed and so faith, she, she's talking to herself. Either you're going to talk to yourself or yourself is going to talk to you. And you do better talking to yourself. Because yourself will say some wild stuff to you. You know it. Yeah, some of you call the crazy people. Yep. <laughs> like, so anyway, okay. Immediately, she rose and walked, and they were overcome. Oof. Overcome with amazement. Do you remember when Jen got healed? She was like, well, I didn't know I was, I couldn't. She was, she, you know what I mean? she was overcome. Am I healed? Am I really healed? Yes! God wants to overcome you with amazement. Have you ever, let me, let me just... Have you ever got a phone call or a text message and you, you're looking at it and you're going, I'm overcome with how dumb this situation is. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I don't even know where to start the level of dumb that I'm encountering here. And I've been like the dumb guy too. So I've been on both sides of that. I'm like the level of stupid, I, I don't even know where to start with this. Like you're overcome with dumbness. Like sh she... They were overcome with amazement, like, what just happened? Yeah, there, there's a girl, um, and, and she's dead, everyone, like, in reality. <laughs> she's dead in Jesus' world. He doesn't live in reality. Jesus is like, she's sleeping. <laughs> Everyone's upset. They're making fun of him. He's like, we'd like to ask you to leave. 
<laughs> it's like, <laughs> and then the other, the other nine are like, hey, Jesus, where are you going? Like, we better do Jesus. He's like, yeah, you're not coming. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's awesome. See, people don't really love Jesus. They love the idea about Jesus. Jesus is not just an idea, as Olivia says. Olivia Morgan said that. Worship leader out of Virginia. Now, but he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given to her to eat. So, so now you have super, say super, super. and natural. natural. So he raised her from the dead, but he is not going to cook her lunch. Now, he cooks his guy's lunch later. So he, he's not above cooking lunch. In his mind, he loves to serve. But he's not cooking her lunch. That's their job. That's the parent's job. You feed your kid. I'll raise your kid, but you feed your kid. You know? So now this is really something. And now Jesus does the opposite of what anyone would do. A resurrection from the dead, I say we leverage that. We leverage that for the ministry. For the Lord. <laughs> Lord, Lord. <laughs> Lord, all for the Lord, yeah, yeah, Lord. And uh, so, instead of leveraging this this power encounter for YouTube or for the algorithms, he goes, "Don't tell anyone." It's like, it's like, it's like what? Wait, hold on. So, so we're supposed to not tell anyone. He just raised our little girl from the dead. The mourners were here making a scene. It's like, how do we do, like, how do you even, like, what do you even do? Like, how do you even respond to that? Like, don't tell anyone, you know, that I raised your daughter from the dead. It's like, okay. Yeah, so, but the point is that he's not leveraging it for himself. The miracle was for them. For them. Jesus cares about the family who thought that they lost a young daughter. There are times where Jesus goes, go show yourself to the priest, go tell your friends and family, but he, he doesn't always do the, everything the same way. And this is what we want. We want to have, how are we going to do it? Who's going to be happening? How are we going to do it? We need a formula. We need, and there's no formula. The formula is seek to be faithful to what God is revealing. We always tell people, we always do this. We never do that. Always and never. Let's throw it out the window. Let's try to be faithful to what the Lord is asking to happen. I don't know if, if, you're, if you're with me on that, but anyway. So now I want to give you some things to just remember. They're really simple. Remember that God will do what he said. We saw that in Isaiah. We saw that in Malachi. It, it was foretelling these prophetic words that are revealing Jesus as Israel's Messiah, therefore the world's Savior and Lord. But, so you have this big, kind of like the big picture. But within the big picture, there's also little individuals called us. And God cares about daughters 
and mothers and sisters and brothers and people who are, have no identity. And, and he even cares about people who, yeah, this is hard for some of you to hear. He even cares for somebodies. <laughs> it's like, he even cares for someone who has a name. He cares for the nameless. And he cares for those who have a name because to him they all have a name. And to him they all have a need. And he loves them. He loves people. You got to realize that about God. God loves people. If you want to know what is the first thing about ministry, what is the first thing about anything, it starts with loving people. Look, if you love people, let's just say you're in your career, right? And you're just in your job. And you love people and you look out for people and you want to see them do well. Generally speaking, eight to nine out of ten people in the general world will respond to love with no strings attached. And most of them, especially if you're consistent with it. Now you have one person who's just crazy, hates himself and hates everyone. But nine out of ten people are going to respond to that type of love well. Especially if it's not religious. The more people that you love on and you help, the more people who want to help you with what you need to do. Then you found yourself surrounded by help. Instead of you have no help. The Bible says that a friend must first show himself friendly. So the first thing about life, about prospering, about money, about ministry, about business, is that you love people. You love people. No strings attached. You just love people. I, I love you. I don't maybe don't love what you do, but I love you. And I, and I know how to express the love of God in loving people with no strings attached, with no religion, just loving people. That's, that's ministry 101 is you love people. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus heard the story, didn't even respond to the guy verbally, and just began to walk toward the problem, not away from the problem. Other people's problem is our opportunity. Other people's pain is an invitation for us to show up. Other people's need is an opportunity for us to give. And on and on and on, which I'm not going to go on and on. God is faithful, which means that God is trustworthy. Fear will try to shut down your faith. Don't let it. Don't let fear talk you out of what faith has talked you into. Fear will try to talk you out of obedience. Faith will talk you into a breakthrough. She said, if I just touch. So faith speaks. We believe, so we speak. Whatever you really believe, you speak. This is why I, one day I was like, why is rap music so powerful? Have you ever noticed that? I have not intentionally listened to it for like 20-something, 20, 20 years, and I can still give you probably the Ten Crack Commandments, bro. And I'm like, why is this so powerful? Because they believe what they were saying. When you don't believe what you say, your words have no power. They have no authority, but if you believe what you speak, you shall have what you say. Now, if we can believe what God speaks, we can have what God says, which is better than 
you know, you know, you trying to speak things that have nothing to do with anything. So now, God, is, I'm going to manifest. You should manifest repentance and change. Anyway, anyway, we're done. Fear will, last one, will try to stand in the way of your miracle. This is the first thing that Jesus addresses with Jairus is, do not be afraid, only believe. Why? Because he knew that fear, if it comes in, it will try to stand in the way of what God is wanting to do. So that means, okay, what do we do? We have two options. Jesus, don't be afraid. Oh, I'm not afraid, Jesus. You're right here with me. Okay, Jesus is like, well, <laughs> the vibe that I was kind of getting from you <laughs> is actually something a little different. <laughs> you know, that's why I said, don't be afraid. So Jesus addresses the elephant in the room because he knows that the elephant in the room is trying to stand in the way of what he wants to do. Not because he wants to expose people, but because he loves people and he wants people free. So this is what happens in practical, simple life. You identify a feeling, fear, anger. I was a little grumpy this week. No one's perfect. You identify what you're feeling, the impulse, the desire, the whatever. You identify it. You acknowledge that it's wrong. You reject it. You confess it, and you have victory over it. Instead of saying, I'm not afraid. Try telling someone you're not grumpy when you're grumpy. <laughs> it's like, it's like, everyone knows you're grumpy, Adam, you know. Uh, so why don't you just tell everyone? It's not, it's not, it's not a big mystery. Um, so just acknowledge it. And let me just say one thing about confession since we're talking about healing. Confessing something wrong doesn't make it right. It just means you're at the beginning stages of learning to take responsibility for what is wrong. So you, you can't just be like, oh, I confess it and keep doing it. That means you're really not sorry. We only know if you're sorry if you change. And instead of saying just you're sorry, it's actually better to change. I mean, you should say you're sorry too, but saying you're sorry is empty if you don't change. If I have to say I'm sorry for the same thing over and over and over, I'm probably not actually sorry. And the Bible says that godly sorrow works repentance. So until you feel a godly sorrow, you don't even have the power to change. This is one of the main concerns that I have in modern church. I don't remember the last time I saw a fornicator or a drug addict or a, a someone come with weeping and, and broken over their sin. I don't remember the last time I seen that. Now they go, oh, you have an addiction. Yeah, it's called idolatry. It'll send you to hell. You, 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 oh, you have a condition. No, you don't have a condition. You have sin. The wages of sin is death. When I got saved, I cried for like three months, for like three hours a day in repentance of wickedness and evil. So I don't, I don't, I don't understand this whole, like, there's no godly sorrow. We need that. You need godly sorrow. If I'm rude to my wife, I feel like I killed someone. I mean, I'm, you know, 
like we need godly sorrow, not guilt so you can be manipulated, but godly sorrow that works repentance so there can be healing. Without repentance, there's no healing. And in healing, watch this, there's repentance. Because now you have this broken woman who gets a touch of Jesus. She's healed. Now she's going to reframe how she sees herself because now she's a daughter. That's repentance. Repentance is not just feeling bad about yourself. And then now, now, now Jairus and his wife, they got a testimony. They got a living, breathing reality that now their daughter is with them and she wasn't going to be. That's also repentance. So repentance brings healing. Watch this. And healing brings repentance. All right? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for healing. I thank you that there is healing in the presence of God, I thank you that there's healing for those who are in this room. I thank you for healing for those who are watching. I thank you for healing for those who are listening. Lord, we declare that by the stripes of Jesus, that there is healing, that there is forgiveness, that there is freedom. In the name of Jesus, receive it. Just receive it. Receive it. Receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So now we are finished. This was a full hostage. And we have Wednesday night service, prophetic school. And if you want to give, you can do that. Zell, 201-562-6335. You can go to rescuechurch.tv slash donate. We also have Venmo. You can do at WSJM slash Rescue, that's Venmo. So those are three ways that you can give. Bless you guys. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.